1: Ashley Wilson is the co-founder of House It Look LLC and Barred Down Investments LLC, two family-owned and operated companies. After leaving pharma years ago, she began flipping houses with her husband and father. She now controls over 225 units and has completed over 13 flips. On today's episode, we chat a lot about how to run your business from your phone, why communication is the number one skill in this business, the best apps to use, and how she moved into syndications.
0: Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent-to-retirement? Rent-to-retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller-financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high cash flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777.
2: The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day, with Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets.
1: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is NJSA. And you are coming back here on the Real Estate Investor Show. We're excited to have you back on our show. And- all the neat stuff we're up to with helping women uh, investors, you know, uh, become more financially free and live a balanced life. That's our mission. That's where our, you know, you know, mission is to kind of help the ladies out there that are growing their business, growing their real estate and also want to be connected to other women doing really, really cool stuff. So, and and a great lead into that is Ashley. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have Ashley on our show. We're going to get into her story. She's got a an amazing story, and what she's, what she, how she started, and, and where she is today, and she'll kind of share a lot about that when we're when we're going to be asking her some some kind of uh, you know en- engaging questions to kind of get kind of get inside her uh, her amazing mind. Before we go there, Andressa, what's what's coming up for you? How are things going? Has uh, has life treating
3: you very well? You know, I want to share with you guys this past week. I traveled uh, to be part of a what they call global mastermind event where entrepreneurs from around the country, we also actually had some people from outside the country, I mean, Canada. So they (laughs) came over to mastermind around the business. And we had different speakers, but one of them was talking about a story that we all know about the little boys that got stuck inside the cave in Thailand and how did that relate to business? So I wanted to share three business lessons that he mentioned that is related to that. So for those of you that don't know the, the lesson, basically one of the boys, um, 11, 12 years old, um, it was his birthday, and they went inside the cave to celebrate and start raining. And the more that it rained, more the water raced and pushed them even more and more and more inside. It was about one week after that the first uh, contact was made, he connected so many different countries and specialists in diving and how to resolve that problem. I remember I was getting so much anxiety about that. And so the guy was talking about three three main topics about how we can relate. How did they survive and how was that a successful um, story? So the first one is to be calm. In our business, sometimes we get very frustrated and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So he said, be calm. That's what allowed them to survive because they meditated a lot. The, The teacher was a Buddha, a monk for a long time, and so he taught the kids how to meditate and be calm. The second thing that he said is leaders eat last, so he put all the kids first. And put the you know, when you have a prospect uh, in perspective to your business, your clients and your lenders they all get paid first, so that's what it made them also survive but the last thing is either you swim or you die in their case was literally that they had to learn how to swim and swim in like muddy water in order for them to survive and there's no difference in business either you swim or you die so you, it, that's like put me in so much you know awareness and perspective yeah. Um, what would you do either you you do this or you die basically so it put a lot of like sense of urgency in me but at the same time awareness about where do I want to really be and and take my business to
1: That's great It's awesome that you take the time to do that you know and, and it sounds like there's a bunch of lessons but I think that's really important and kind of most it's really critical, right, in terms of growth, and so so kudos to you for taking the time. And you were super like efficient with everything else you know you have going on because I got <laughs> I got emails from you, I got Slack updates because we're we're working on a bunch of things together, and you were you were right on it, and and you were. In, in present to what you're up to, so, so you just gotta get it done. Pretty, I was like, I gotta swear, we're gonna die. So. <laughs> well, I resonate with the calm one, I really like yeah. that one. That's the one I like. Yeah. Um, well, awesome, uh, very cool. So, Ashley, thanks again for being on our show, and thanks for being with us and, and uh, all the ladies listening to the episode. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, but most importantly, in that story or in that kind of as you kind of you know came to real estate investing, what what propelled you, what compelled you, so to speak, to get involved in real estate investing and you know, what was that path, you know, what did it look like for you and you know, where you are today?
4: Absolutely. So thank you both again for having me. I'm very honored that I was asked to be on this podcast because I listened to your podcast and um, I hope I can provide as much insight as that has been provided to me over all the different episodes you've had to date. So um, with respect to your question, back in 2009, um, I was working for a pharmaceutical company and I had been ever since graduating from college. I worked within pharmaceuticals. I worked in clinical R&D, which basically means that I was managing studies prior to them getting FDA approval and being out on the market. So I had a lot of project management background experience coupled with the fact that I also got my master's in leadership development, which is separate from organizational leadership. A lot of people tend to think that's what that program um, encompasses. However, that's not the goal of the program. The goal of the program is actually for people who are already um, CEOs or entrepreneurs themselves and it talks about how to run your business efficiently, effectively with also a business management component of it as well. So
3: yeah.
4: it was quite interesting and very applicable for what I do today. So it's funny how all these pieces, when you add them up, were really the foundation to what I'm doing today. But at the time I didn't see that's where, you know, I was going. So in 2009, um, <clears throat> my husband, my husband, had actually always been extremely interested in real estate he had uh, he actually had a different career he was a professional hockey player so at the time he was playing hockey and um, he was trying to figure out what he was going to do after hockey and how we can invest our money and it kept circling back to real estate i think we can all agree that real estate provides a lot of advantages that other investment, um, specifically retirement investment strategies do not. Um, So there are opportunities with hedging against inflation. Um, There are tax benefits. You are investing in a real estate backed asset. Uh, There are tax benefits as well. I mean, you could, the list goes on and on. So we really needed to continue to look into the different components of real estate investing to figure out what our, um, what our connection would be with real estate investing because there are a lot of different aspects of real estate investing. It's not just a one size fits all approach. Um, there's passive versus active, and then within each there are different fields that you can invest to. So um, we knew we wanted to do it, but uh, we were just trying to figure out where we were going to get started. Um, Fast forward a few years. uh, Sorry, I should back up. We did at that time buy a rental property. So we did short-term and long-term rentals at that time. Um, Prior to Airbnb, VRBO, which is Vacation Rental by Owner, was the more popular platform before Airbnb launched and um, did a huge media campaign. So we actually utilized VRBO for our short-term rental and did very successfully uh, with that. And of course, when you do something, the first thing you do successfully, it just becomes almost like an addiction. Like you you just want more. Um, So we were trying to figure out what else can we do? Um, So my dad, he actually is a general contractor. He's had his own business for over 45 years. He has partnered with other people who have um, flipped properties. He's partnered with developers. He's uh, worked on everything from Section 8 to uh, multimillion-dollar mansions, commercial properties. I mean, literally, he has done it all. Um, For anyone in Pennsylvania, he painted Dorney Park. So that is, you know, <laughs> is so cool. That
1: so cool. <laughs> something
4: that is a little bit of a claim to fame, but he just has um, a lot of vast experience on which we could um, draw from. So when my husband was still playing, um, his career took him to Europe, and he was playing over in Russia and all throughout Europe. I actually stopped working in pharmaceuticals and approached my husband about instead of waiting to partner with my father once my husband was retired, if I could partner with my dad then, and we could work out all the growing pains while we had another stable income, that when my husband retired, the new income that we were producing through whatever real estate means we ended up deciding to go with, would substitute for the income that was lost from my husband's career. So that's exactly what happened. Fortunately for us, um, uh, we started, um, investing in flipping. We started flipping. So, uh, my father and I partnered, my dad was the boots on the ground, so to speak. And I did everything that you can do from afar. So I know, um, for anyone who invests from afar, they've probably read David Green's long distance real estate investing book. That's exactly what I was doing um, and have been doing for the past four years, but I was doing it from Europe. So um, we had to contend with time zones, uh, huge uh, time difference, but I had been used to that because I had just come from working in pharmaceuticals and I was doing global uh, clinical trials. So not only was I working on trials within the US and the FDA, but I was working with trials in India and Uh, all over Europe. Um, So I had already um, gone through the growing pain of learning how to work from a different time zone, which proved to be extremely uh, beneficial for our business.
3: I love what you're saying that at that time, you didn't know um, what those lessons were for about your, your master's and then how flexible you were to do your your pharmaceutical sales it kind of like it builds you up to have the skills that are necessary right now to do what you're doing so sometimes people say oh i have experience in x y and z how can i translate that to what i'm doing right now in my case i had a major in journalism i interviewed people at that time so when i started real estate i was like where where on earth I'm going to use that? Well, here I am interviewing <laughs> people.
1: So it's... I was a psych major. Right.
3: So it's just <laughs> like, and then you do door-to-door sales and you gain experience that. You just don't know. I think it was Steve Jobs that says said once, um, looking back, you can connect the dots, but you can never connect the dots why you were so close to it. So I want to dig more into how you were able to be in Europe and still build and manage a business. We all know that even like in person is so challenging to create all of that. What do you think, in your opinion, was the foundation that you had to build in order to create a successful business from afar?
4: The two most important things of building a business from afar are communication and leveraging technology. The first um, point is communication and communication is the foundation for any business. If you um, are successful in a business, it's because your communication is successful. If you are failing in a business, most likely it's due to failing communication. And uh, I think people, um, often assume that others understand what they mean Mm -hmm. when they say a certain sentence and they assume they'll take the proper action based off of that communication. But still today, we have uh, breakdowns in a communication, and you're always looking for ways in which to improve the communication. And now we're all located in Pennsylvania, um, which, is, which is pretty ironic that you would think the communication would get better because we're oftentimes face-to-face. But even face-to-face, there can be communication breakdowns. So it's really important that people spend a lot of time uh, really thinking about what they're saying, and I think that when you're own your in your own business, oftentimes it's overlooked on document documenting. Excuse me, documenting mm-hmm. um, what you're actually saying. So, if you have a communication with someone, whether it be over the phone or um, in person, you just think that someone's going to remember that. Well, people not only have a lot of things on their mind when it comes to work, but they also have all these things going on personally too. And it's really hard to remember every single thing, um, especially when you are running your own business. So it's really important, I think, to have some sort of way to document decisions. We actually have weekly meetings, very formal meetings in which we take minutes. Um, it's not like I'm going to need to reference these minutes 10 years from now. However, if someone needs to reference the meetings a couple days from now, the decision is well-documented on the, on the uh, minutes from that meeting. So that's one example of, of, or one criteria I think that is critical for running any business, whether from afar or not. Specifically for running from afar, I think you should leverage technology. I think there are a lot of great apps um, that you can use I mentioned before that my husband was a hockey player while we were in Europe. So I was often at games, um, you know, at night in Europe where my father was in the middle of a work day and I needed to be able to answer his questions. Well, Don't kid yourself. I wasn't bringing a laptop with me to his game. I was I just gonna ask.
3: That. <laughs> Were you sitting down on the audience like with your laptop? Like, <laughs> no,
4: absolutely not. I had my phone, and there are a lot of great apps and a lot of free apps that you can use to, um, you know, w- run your business. You can literally run your business from your phone, which I think is amazing, and. Today, I know I kind of stopped with the flipping, but we have gone on since then. We're now doing apartment syndications. Um, and one of the apartments that we're working on now is in Texas, it's 124 units, and I'm managing the construction um, renovation. It's a value-add apartment building, and we are co-sponsoring a deal with another group. My, uh, one of my responsibilities in the sponsorship is managing the construction, once again, I am all over the place right now. I'm actually at my in-laws in in Canada, and I still need to be able to be available and manage this renovation because it's going on as I'm sitting here talking with you. So once again, I have my phone now. I also brought my computer up here because Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, um, just need to work as well. And it's, it is easier with a keyboard. I think we can all agree. However, when I'm out running errands, I can do anything from my phone, even in the grocery store. If someone asks me, what did this, you know, what what was this plan for this unit? What were we planning? I can pull up that Excel spreadsheet and reference that unit number and know, okay, we're pulling the floors, we're replacing the fixtures. I'll know immediately because of the wonderful apps that are available to us today.
1: Ashley, what's your favorite What's your favorite and you think most underutilized app that you, that's, you know, in your business or that you use for your business?
4: Um, well, I guess I should say a communication app, right? Because I just said that communication (laughs) is one of the most important things. It
1: could be any app. I just, you know, I think so. There's so many wonderful apps and it's like, it's so hard to stay uh, updated on all of these great, you know, apps that, that are happening. So yeah, I was curious to hear from you to see what maybe is a little underutilized, but you love.
4: I actually have a few apps that I really love. Um, I really am a huge proponent of Google products. I think Google is um, an innovator when it comes to making your, making everyone's life easier and for free primarily. Most of the time it's for free. So I really like Google sheets. I like Google docs and um, Google slides because of the integration factor. There's it's very easy to um, work with their documents. Um, So I think that, um, it's, I don't know if that's necessarily underutilized or, or people don't know that it's out there, um, with respect to underutilize, anything to do with like a document scanner. So I have, um, actually have a couple different apps that I use on, uh, scanning documents. So what's, what's, uh, great about these apps is instead of just taking a picture and having a JPEG file, you can actually PDF the document and then you can edit the document within that app so not only could I type in for example if I want if I'm at the grocery store and I need to sign off on an agreement of sale right I could pull up this agreement of sale from my email inbox pull it over to this PDF document scanner program and I can type in all the information I can type in my offer I can type in my you know name address whatever Um, and then also I can actually sign the document and then save it as a PDF and email directly from that PDF um, uh, app. I think that's, that is amazing. The The fact that you can do that, the fact that we're getting rid of paper, I'm a very environmental friendly type person. So um, removing our carbon footprint, I think is critical um, for the world. And that's one another um, app that I really enjoy using. And then also too, um, I know, we like slacker, um, that you can use for, um, communication. We also use group me to group me. I like because it has a calendar feature mm-hmm. so you can ask actually also schedule, um, different, um, different events within the group, but there are a lot of different apps, um, It's just a matter of what you find in terms of the interface is the easiest for you. There's absolutely no reason, though, that people shouldn't be using apps. They're very easy to use. Most of the time they're free. um, And it's just a really good communication tool to utilize amongst your team.
3: And what is the name of the app that you're scanning? Okay, so I I have to look it up because I have
4: two, but the one is definitely better. So it's called Scanner Pro.
3: Kinner Pro. Cool.
4: I actually got it when it was free. I think it's $3 now, but it's the only app that I would say that you should a hundred percent pay for. Um, but it's, it's brilliant. I've used it for, I've probably used it for four or
3: five years now. Okay. Yeah. And I think that when you look at the cost is so low in terms of how much time you're going to save it. Yes. Just Saving the printing and the environmental side as well. But it, like you are totally free. You can't, you don't need a printer anymore and you can make the transactions quicker. I know for a fact that as quick as I can work and submit my offer faster, it's, it's, I can get an answer and higher are my chances to be one of the first ones to get an offer in. So Like time for me, when you save time, it's it's totally worth.
5: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only.
2: Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
3: I want to touch base on the fact that you work with your family. And I... it Right? <laughs> 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 and I, I remember you were part of, uh, one of the meetups where we were talking about it. And I clearly remember you saying independently, if they are family members or not, you need to ask yourself, would I work with this person? <laughs> if the answer is no. So it's just like, it doesn't really matter if that person is part of your family or not. So people shouldn't avoid working with family members based on just the fact that they are part of your family. But I know you have a a great relationship with your family and you have a dynamic. It doesn't mean that it's perfect, but you guys get along and resolve the, the problems. And once I saw your dad talking about you and your brother and how you guys sometimes get into, you know, heated conversations. My question is, how do you separate, say, hey, I really want this door here or not, and then say, are we going to have dinner together? <laughs> That's actually kind of how it goes, except we yell a little
4: bit more on the door part of that. For example. <laughs> so we can be quite comical. Um, My husband's always said that um, he doesn't really understand how we can do. He works in the business too, but he is not in the same capacity that my brother and my dad work. Um, My husband is the realtor on the flipping side and with our apartment syndications, um, for now, it's just uh, my husband and myself um, doing the apartment syndication. So it's it's definitely interesting because we all have a different um, style of communication. And I would say between my brother, my dad, and myself, we can, we're just very passionate people. Like I'm shocked we don't have more like Italian in us because, you know, we're <laughs> like, very passionate, you know, um, passionate people. And um, I like to say that we're like, um, we're like the Osborne's meets Chip and Joanna. Like, I don't know if anyone watched the reality show of the Osbournes, but that family truly loves each other. But the way in which they communicate is not necessarily normal for most people, um, or at least how we think of, of communication as normal. So the point is, is that um, I think with my brother and my father we just have the ability to um be very honest with each other and then i think we know that there is more to life than than work um the other day we got in got in a little bit of an argument between the three of us and it became extremely heated. Um, I was actually the mediator this time, which is definitely (laughs) rare. Normally (laughs) I'm in in the trenches with them, but I was mediating between my father and my brother. And one of the things I said to them is before you guys explode on each other, not just in this situation, but in any situation, just take a step away from each other and just, Think of something, whatever your trigger is, the fact that, you know, there are people starving still like Mm -hmm. children starving in this world. Like there are bigger issues than, you know, for this example, it was like whether or not we put Wayne's coding in the correct room. That was the example, (laughs) you know, so, um, that that's really like first world problems and we really need to be have some perspective. Um, and to your point that you said early on in the show and dress about being calm, that's about just being calm, like resetting mm-hmm. your internal self and saying, okay, this is my trigger. My trigger is the fact that there are children starving. So I'm going to approach this person knowing in the back of my head that you know there are bigger issues than whether yes. or not we put Wayne's coding on the right room. Um, And then if that person also comes at that same approach too, because I just said, you know, to both my brother and my father, that you guys need to do this exercise the next time you guys communicate with each other, that it's, um, the, uh, 10,000, um, hour rule or however you want to say it, which is the more you repeat and the more you do things, the more it becomes habit. So if they do that every single time, then, you know, hopefully we'll get to a better place. But, i i'm we are far from perfect i'll be the first person to admit that and i think if anyone watched us for a day i think they would say oh my god i could never you know um communicate that way between the three of them because they're just very you know um passionate (laughs) so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think i think what you're saying too ashley is so important especially when you work with your family i mean I um we've had our parents, both of our sets of parents, invest in our business, but I wouldn't say it's it's similar, you know, in, in in what you're saying in terms of you guys are actually executing projects. But my husband and I work together, and I, you know, something that Andres and I have been through these workshops through Landmark Education. They talked about a term called like the it's called already already listening. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but yeah. in in a nutshell. It's basically that you're talking, Ashley, and I've had so much interaction with you. And I think I know you so well that I know what you're about to say. And that happens all the time with like your best friends, your family, people that like you just know to the like, to the, you don't even need them to say anything. But the the flip side of the challenge of that, especially if you're working with them, is that you just have these constant you constantly judge what they're about to say as though you think you know what they're going to say and it's just this whole this little cycle of judgment and then it just becomes you start to get you know on each other's you know nerves and then it just can blow up into assumptions and you know what happens with that so my point in saying that is i think it's so helpful like you're saying okay let's step back you know and i might you know my background's a little bit of the social work and mediation i think that's so helpful and when you're working with people, especially your family, your spouse, anyone, emotions get involved so fast, so quickly because of that kind of like, well, I know what they're going to do. I know my brother. I know my dad. I know them. I, well, you do, but you still need to look at them and communicate as though you're working through this issue, as though it's, 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 it's only this issue. So I think that's such a great point, and I wanted to mention that just because of the you know, the work that I've done as well as just, you know, just working with your family. It can get a little you know, a little dicey, you know, so, but probably very rewarding too, I would think, you know, that you guys are able to work together, build together. I think that's just, I think that's really neat too.
4: It's definitely, um, has its pros and cons and overall it definitely has more pros for us. I wouldn't say, um, that everyone should work with their family if they don't feel that they could have the same success. Sure. The way, um, you know, Andressa, um, started talking about this topic, where she mentioned that I said you should first ask yourself if this person wasn't your family, would you decide to work with them? That is an honest question you need to ask yourself, and they need to ask yourself. And to your point, Liz, you don't know what they would say. You know, they they might have a different response. You might think you can work with them, and they might think that they can't work with you. So you need to be respectful of that, and. Um, you know, uh, further elaborating on what you were just saying, Liz, I actually um, attended um, a listening seminar and it was talking about how people jump to make those assumptions because our brain is, is actually exhausting. The amount of energy that is needed to fully listen to someone without coming up trying to think of a response before they're finished speaking, trying to figure out where they're going, it's exhausting. So our brain actually takes shortcuts to figure out what the person is saying so we can process information faster Mm. and more efficiently. But if you actually truly listen to someone and not think of what to say next, a perfect example to think about is when you go to an all-day seminar, everyone says they're exhausted. Why are they exhausted? because they're actually listening. They're not thinking about what to say next. But if you had a conversation with someone all day, you wouldn't be as exhausted because your brain is actually finding shortcuts to work and process the information and get you to say something next to keep the dialogue moving. But if you're just sitting there listening, processing, trying to learn from what's being said, it is exhausting. It really is exhausting, but it doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. It is the right thing to do. And oftentimes we do make those jumps. And I think that's, could be an opportunity for a breakdown in communication as well. Yeah. I love
3: what you're saying about the breakdown in communication. And we always think, okay, a a breakdown is an opportunity to break through and create a new possibility. It's totally true. I can, I, every time that I go back to Go back, come back from a mastermind or an event, I am completely exhausted. And I thought, what? I was yeah. there, you know, learning. I don't understand why I'm so like this. And that is such a good point um, that you're making in terms of how can we all look, stop, look at the situation, look at the breakdown, And create a new possibility so next time we will handle differently
1: yeah no that's absolutely and and you know and jess and i experienced that working together you know (laughs) my 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 emotions have been heightened lately so i think but it's so it's so helpful right to just keep communicating and saying hey this is where i'm coming from and then a breakthrough happens so um that's that's awesome ashley curious you know You made the transition. You and your husband, I guess, made the transition from flipping to apartment syndication, you know. And again, it doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that everyone can do that. But I think a lot of people can make different shifts in this business, different niches, different uh, call it real estate investing segments of of you know the business. So you made that shift. I'm curious, what would you have loved to tell yourself now that you've made that shift, right? You went from flipping, you know, very very beautiful expensive homes to you know, you went real deal, like a hundred plus apartments, you know, units. So you didn't, you didn't mess around with the small stuff. No. Um, no. so I'm curious, like, what would you have loved to tell yourself now, knowing what you know, to that person who's about to make that shift? What, what, whether there's a challenge or a learning or advice, like, what would you tell that, that Ashley then?
4: Wow. Um, Gosh that is a great question. Um, everyone always says that you should just add a zero um, so if you're doing ten apartments, why not do a hundred apartments or why not do a thousand apartments? You're doing the same amount of the same process, but it's just a little bit more work um, but I also think too that um, I personally think that you need to go through the process to learn um, each step of the way. There are some people that have been very successful just making a jump right into apartment syndication and going into 100-plus units, but um, I think that's very rare. And I also think, too, that you're just like adding a zero on terms of the profit, the profit can – multiply exponentially, so can your problems. And I don't think that if you, um, jump into a situation like that, um, that you might be able to handle those problems. Whereas if you took a little bit more patience in learning the process, you'd actually be more successful. So I think being patient is something that, um, should be a characteristic that is valued in whether you partner with someone or um, you're looking for a mentor you should be looking for someone who really knows uh, a lot about a lot of different things because it's not just finding someone who was uber successful when they made this huge leap and didn't have anything to fall back on because Right now we're in a time where the market is still continuing to push upwards and that should be troubling for everyone because this is the longest um, rebound from a recession that we've ever had in US history. So this should be alarming to everyone because a lot of people right now, it's my personal opinion, are successful because they are playing the appreciation game Mm -hmm. and they are not making sound investments and they're getting very lucky. And I think when we have a correction, whatever the correction may be, will definitely spotlight all of those people who were not conservative in their approach. I am a more conservative um, investor through all aspects of real estate. I, I think you guys would find that the offers I make on for flipping side are embarrassing, and they are embarrassing. I think if you're not embarrassed by your offer, you're offering too much. I agree. Um, so I also too I look for houses that have multiple out strategies as opposed to just a flip. Mm. That's another conservative approach I take. I I really build up my numbers. I factor in a huge contingency on the sale for concessions that we're going to need to make. I put the lowest number on the resale that I think that we could get in a down market time. I mean, there are a lot of conservative approaches that I take, but that is why we have flipped now. um, I think it's 11 that we've sold. We have 13 um, flips that we're doing um, and we've made five figures on every single house. That is because I personally believe because we've taken a very conservative approach. Um, So those are things you learn along the way. And I think people are very aggressive when they first learn about real estate and they're just very excited and hungry. And I'm not saying to take that away. Like that is a completely different conversation. I think everyone should be hungry. I think everyone should be excited. I think there's enough business out there in the world, not to feel that if you aren't batting, you know, banging down someone's door that you're not going to get the deal because someone else is, there's another deal out there. Let's be honest. But I also think too, that you need to be patient in your approach. And I, I think that you don't need to be so direct in your approach. Um, One perfect example. And I was actually, I haven't had a chance to talk with Matt on his, raising private capital book, um, directly one-on-one. But one of the things that impressed me so much about his book is while I was reading the book, I thought to myself, you know, this is incredible. I mean, he is really has a diverse, um, experience, a diverse background, even though it's all within like real estate investing specifically for this book, it's very diverse in his approach and what he's going after and the deals he's looking for. And, that is something that I actually really respect um, when I look at different people as mentors or, you know, someone I look up to. Um, and at the end of the book, Matt said something to the point where, um, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, I don't have the book in front of me, but he, he said something to the point where, you know, maybe I should have been more focused on this one thing or that one thing, because then I would have become like an expert on that one thing. Or, But you know what's Funny is that I don't know if Matt realized he became an expert in um, raising private capital for all different things. And yeah, he, is
1: <laughs> yes,
4: an expert in that. And that doesn't mean he's not an expert in single family or multifamily or you know, whatever. He literally became an expert in raising private capital across all of these different platforms which a lot of other people can't say they can do. So to me, that's more impressive because when the market turns and certain real estate investments become more advantageous than others, who is going to be ahead in the game? It's people like Matt. It's not people who put all their eggs in one basket and focused on one particular thing.
1: It's funny you say that, too. I mean, that's a whole other, you know, tangent I can go into. But because I think when people ask me what we've learned the most, like if I had to talk to myself, you know, 14 years ago, when I, we started with our first duplex, like, what would you tell that person? And the first thing, or one of the only, always, I, I was on a podcast yesterday, the thing I actually said about what's my biggest learning is that I, I really do wish we would have focused more, because we did get involved with so many different things. And I wish we had a more conservative approach when we started. But to your point, Point, Ashley, it's interesting because you kind of have to appreciate your process because your process actually then creates what you know. So yeah. it's a really good point. a really good perspective. Um, I'll definitely share that with Matt. I'll, he doesn't listen to our show, but I'll make sure he listens to this one. But yeah. um, he, he does listen. He, I know, he, he should does. listen. He should listen. I know. He'll he should have learned, learned something. He'll learn something. But I think your your point's well taken. And I think, I think the ladies listening too, we sometimes judge ourselves. I think women judge themselves a lot. I think, I think all people do. I think women are really tough on themselves, at least the ladies I talk to. And we often say, well, I could have done this differently. I could have done that differently. But yet sometimes the things we could have done differently to your amazing point, you just, you just shared is that it becomes, it really creates the person we are and the experience that we have in and of itself then, you know, propels kind of where we're headed. So appreciate that insight. That's really, it's really a really great point. Awesome. Yeah. I think,
4: I think we are, we tend to be too hard on ourselves. And um, I think that gives us the drive that we all have. I mean, everyone that's in this community is extremely driven and I mean, just beyond impressive resumes, like just the backgrounds and what everyone brings to the table is incredible. And I think oftentimes we should be a little bit more proud and not so Right. And when people are, you know, speaking to their accolades and what they've accomplished, I think we should be like, yeah, girl, like good for you. Yeah. Like That's yeah. it's amazing what you're doing and not so judgmental and saying, oh, well, you know, she's a little cocky. Like, do you really think she did that? Like check the judgment at the door and be like completely supportive. Um, because when you have people encouraging you, I mean, you can really change the world.
1: Yeah. No, that's a, it's a really great place. So where, where are you headed next? Are you guys still flipping? Are you really just focused on, you know, apartment syndications? Like where, where is your, you know, business headed?
4: So our business is definitely headed with um, apartment syndications. What we are, are positioning ourselves as is a company that people can go to for um, management of value-add projects. So what we would like to do is co-sponsor with other uh, syndicators and manage the whole construction piece of it there are a lot of people who um love syndications and want to go into syndications but they're a little overwhelmed by the construction component of it and we we aren't plus we understand real estate investing so i think that provides a duality that maybe is not so common within the apartment syndication world a lot of people think they know what they're doing, they rely on the property managers, Mm -hmm. and they rely on the GCs that they hire, but they have no one on their team that is managing and looking out what's for the best interest of the passive investors and the rest of the syndication team. So right now, for example, the apartment that I was talking about in Texas, we are co-sponsors on the deal, and we brought some of our own investors into the deal as well, um, which is another component we can add, but we're entirely running the construction piece of this so we're you know walking that we walk the property we um, qc all of the estimates that are received i've questioned a lot of estimates i've gotten a lot of estimates to go down significantly i've prioritized what we're doing um, and it all coincides with the underwriting um, so our overall budget for one Um, particular example, we have a rebuild of a fire unit and I was able to get that estimate down by almost 10%. So um, we'll see what we can, um, you know, finish at. But those are things that I think are create a lot of opportunity for different syndicators that they don't currently have in their wheelhouse a lot of people are really concerned on the day-to-day operations and they think of the capital expenditures piece of the you know the new roofs for listeners who don't know what capital expenditures are but the major ticket items of the renovation those items they just think oh, okay it's budgeted so we don't have to worry about it well what happens when a pipe bursts what happens yeah. when a roof that you didn't plan on um, doing all of a sudden your contractor says no that should have been in from the beginning. I don't know why you don't have that included. It's an an extra set of eyes. It's people who understand syndications and also too, we have our own investors. So I think we bring a different side to apartment syndications that is not out there currently.
1: That's great. I mean, I I can tell you too, what you're saying is so helpful because you start to get into these bigger buildings. I mean, you know, we, we're we renovating, not we, but our, you know, our team is renovating a building in uh, North Carolina. And, you know, you think, okay, you know, apartments need X, Y, and Z. Well, if there's 40 of them, you know, it's just the, the numbers <laughs> just go yeah. up. So, one thing that you think is going to cost X dollars is really just like literally times 40, 50, 60. It's just the numbers are a lot of zeros and that can cost you a lot. So, your point's well taken. And, Absolutely. you know, the ladies listening too, it's like, okay, if you want to get into apartments or you have a a apartment, you have multifamilies, you want to grow your portfolio, you know, like you, you not only have to raise the money, that's certainly important, but you know, more importantly, quite honestly, is then managing the, 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 the money and the, the building and, and what you're saying is so powerful because it's, um, it makes all the difference really quite honestly, because you're going to save the dollars and make sure you're making the, getting the building to the point where it's cash flowing and making people money. So, um, that's awesome. That's good stuff. So um, basis of that, or, you know, as a, as a follow-up where, where can ladies learn more about what you're up to and just the really, really cool things you're doing?
4: So for our flipping business, we have a website. It's houseitlook.com and that's H-O-U-S-E-I-T-L-O-O-K.com. For the apartment syndications, if anyone's interested, they can email us at bardowninvestments at gmail.com. Awesome. And we're also on social media as well, um, both Instagram and Facebook. So you can see all of our projects we've done to date and um, feel free to shoot us any questions you have and we'll be sure to answer them as quick as possible.
1: Awesome. And you you mentioned, we mentioned a free gift uh, when we were talking earlier. So um, tell the ladies a little bit about that. Not that it's, you know, it's certainly something that, you know, is a opportunity for them to learn. It's, it's about your, it's a video about the apps that you were using, right? When you were in Europe, is that, is that correct?
4: Correct. So I am a part of bigger pockets group that does live streams. And on my last live stream, I did, um, a piece on the apps that I use to operate our businesses. If you would like to um, view that uh, live stream and or if you like a cheat sheet of all the apps, you can get that information by either emailing at howsitlookatgmail.com and or you can see the video on Facebook, Bigger Pockets. Website or um, on YouTube at Bigger Pockets, and just look for Ashley Wilson. And it's the last video that, um, that we've aired.
3: Great. That's great. We're going to be putting the link on our show notes. So you can go there and just click it and get the information from Ashley. And also on our show notes, you're going to have the links for our website, therealestatingfaster.com, where you can listen to this episode and the past episodes that we released. And if you want, you can also go to iTunes and subscribe, right, Liz? Subscribe <laughs> to our channel so you receive all all the, you know, the heads up that about the new episodes that are coming up. And we will really appreciate if you leave us a review on iTunes. Tell us about what you like, what you dislike. No, only give nice things. I only want only nice, nice comments. No, I right, know that's right. We- <laughs> you know, give us a feedback over there. I think it's important for us to Um, start building a very strong community the higher we are on itunes the goal here is to deliver this message to other women so the higher we are on their rank faster and more women will get the information that we are we are sharing here and now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions are you ready ashley Yes. (laughs) All right. So the first question is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? I have two.
4: So um, with respect to real estate investing, it's definitely Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I would challenge anyone who's read that book that that wasn't the the most transformational book. It's absolutely incredible book. Um, But with respect to life in general, there's a book called Flatland. I actually had to email my high school um, theology teacher to find out the name of this book um, because I couldn't remember the title of the book, but I could remember the content. So the, the idea of this book is that um, it, it speaks in life in terms of shapes. So it says that if you are a point, you cannot imagine a line because you the only thing that you know that exists is a point. Whereas if you're a line, you can imagine points because two points make up a line. And it goes so on and so on to say like a shape, you know, you you can't imagine a shape unless you are a shape. And therefore, if you're a shape, you can imagine lines and points, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, you you get the idea. Um, The reason why I like this book so much is because it really, um, I'm a very um, optimistic person and i i believe anything can happen if you put your mind to it and hard work and surround yourself with people who are supportive and provide the resources that you need to make whatever goal come to fruition and i think that this book you know it just um, it really resonated with me because it made me think to myself okay well if i can imagine it that means it's possible because just like this book is saying that If you can imagine points, that must mean you're a line or a shape, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. um, basically, I just think of the world in that context that whatever I can imagine can be done and it's just a matter of when at that point. So those are the two books that really um, I absolutely love, but we could have a whole show on books that I love. (laughs) I need
1: need to do
3: that. (laughs) I love that. So refreshing. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
4: There are a lot of routines that I do, but most notably is having a time of the day where I just am removed from everything work-related and spend time with my family. Um, I think this is critical, um, not as a woman, but as a person. I think everyone should be doing this. And personally, it's very hard for me. I'm a workaholic. I thrive off of checking my emails and getting things done. I I love doing stuff like that. But the reason I do all that stuff is because I love my family and I want to spend time with my family. And at the end of the day, that is what's most important for me. So I constantly pick a time in the day where my cell phone's not around me. My computer's not around me. I'm like on the floor with my two little children and my husband, you know, all four of us are on the floor with our dog. Like we just, you know, love spending time together. And it's really important that you don't consider spending time with your family while your phone's going off and you're checking your phone all the time. You have to have a couple hours a day where everything is turned off, put away, and you really focus on your family.
3: Absolutely. The last question is: Which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? I think a lot of people have said this on your show, and I couldn't agree
4: more. Is my mom? Um, my mom has been a huge influence in my life. Um, as someone who has worked hard, when I grew up, my mom always said to me that the most important thing for her was us—my brother, myself—and if I met anyone who um, knew my mom and my mom was around, they would always comment about how they had never met anyone who was more, who did more for their children than my mom did. Um, She um, is a absolutely brilliant um, person and she could have done a lot of things career wise, but she chose a job that gave her the flexibility we were like start crying. Um, <laughs> you she gave, me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all crying here. <laughs> she gave up um, pursuing that, and she always wanted to um, do certain things. And She gave up all of those dreams in order to take a job which she could attend every sport event we had, every play we had. She never, my mom and my dad, um, they both worked growing up. Um, my dad was self employed, but my mom was not, and my Both my parents were there for every single thing that we could possibly needed. Even when my brother and I went to college out of state, they drove up. I played division one field hockey. They didn't miss a single game home or away. They were there um, for four years and for my brother too. And that is very rare to find. Um, But the fact that she taught me how to appreciate that, that's more important I think than anything else because she instilled the values of, understanding how how lucky I was to have someone like her in my life.
3: Wow. That's a legacy. That's a true legacy. Yeah. You're inspiring.
1: And you're carrying that on. So that's really, <laughs> that's really special. <laughs> I, uh, hope,
4: Ashley, I hope I can. But you we'll are. See. <laughs> you
1: are. You're already doing it. You don't even realize it. Uh, mm-hmm. Ashley, thanks so much for being on a show. Just the, you know, the insight, The you're so genuine, very authentic and, you know, just sharing what, what, what has worked for you and and suggestions for the ladies listening so um and just the the path you 've taken so thank you for for your you know just your being here with us and all the great great ideas and ways you've shown up in the world
4: Thank you very much, thank you both again this has been a it's been enjoyable first of all, but it's also an honor to to be on this show. I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. This is fantastic, and I keep spreading the word. I actually thank just you. spoke at a um, high net worth, um. A meeting last week and I was speaking on partnerships and the importance of bringing women into investing. And I encouraged everyone there um, to become a part of your community. Unfortunately, there was less than 10% of women in the audience, but that was my point when I brought that up was to say, you need to bring your spouse or your friend or your sister, your mother, whomever to the table. Like let's bring more women to the table and build this, build this more.
3: Awesome. We really appreciate your support. And it's always good chatting with you.
4: Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you, Ashley. Bye. Bye
3: Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, thereestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes.